Good afternoon. All right, everyone, uh, it's a great panel, actually, that we got uh, this afternoon. We're going to be talking about uh, location-based technology and how to use that technology to connect with fans and to give the value to both fans and bands. This panel is uh, three, three people that have been what I consider pioneers in both social and location as it relates to the entertainment industry and with bands and how to connect those bands uh, with their fans using uh, location-based technology, which is fairly new to maybe most of you that are out in the audience. Some of you may have not have even used uh, it at all. But our, our hope is that you come out of this panel today with some better experience on how you're going to be able to tap into this technology uh, and use it to connect with fans. And at the same time, it's a great opportunity for you to talk to these three guys who have really, like I said, since the beginning of this, have been asking all the whys. Why can't we do this? Why can't we connect with our fans this way? How come this and that? And so they've been asking all those difficult questions and working with technology companies so that right now that you can have a better experience and you can, you can tap into these guys' knowledge so you don't have to go through all those whys and hows. So hopefully we'll have enough time today that you guys can, uh, each and every one of you feels like you can ask the questions. You know, don't be shy. That's what they're here for. So a couple things about, about this panel and about what we want to get out of it is, like I said, giving insight to people that are using mobile, uh, really the fans that are using mobile and why that's valuable to the entertainment industry and how that's valuable, especially as you, as you put location as context to what these fans uh, are doing, where they're doing it at and, and what they're doing. It's also, we're going to give you real examples from each one of these guys, in, including myself, of how we're using this technology today, and it's already in practice. So let me just introduce the panel. To the far right over here is, is Aaron Ray. Aaron is a partner and uh, head of new media at The Collective out of Los Angeles. Aaron oversees the digital assets for people like Lincoln Park, Counting Crows, Enrique Iglesias, Alana Morissette, Slash, Stained. And Aaron, for sure, has been a pioneer from location and social from, from the beginning. And he has been pressing a lot of the big technology companies on giving the technology and the entertainment industry more, 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 so they can do a better job connecting with their fans. To my immediate right here is uh, Ryan. Ryan's a manager at Bill Silva Entertainment, also out of L.A. He oversees the new media for artists, including... Jason Mraz, and we're going to talk about something really cool that they just did with Jason Mraz using Instagram. I think the thing I want to talk about the most, though, when it comes to you is uh, how uh, Billboard this past year named you uh, 30 under 30 and how you uh, rigged that vote. So you got... Uh, <laughs> it was definitely rigged, I promise you. <laughs> to my left here is uh, Jason Leckberg. Jason uh, flew in from New York to be here for this. Uh, Jason is the VP of Digital Strategy and Marketing at 11.7 Music. Some of the things that he oversees in the digital marketing and as well as their entire roster includes uh, Entertainment X's uh, Motley Crue and Blondie. He also does product manage it for Popper Roach and Buck Cherry. And again, we're going to talk to him about some of the experiences he's done most recently with Motley Crue and something he did at the end of last year with Blondie using location-based and, and social services. So just to get started, I'm going to just ask each one of these panelists a question So regarding to something that they've experienced to kind of get you in a mode where you're thinking about questions that you'd possibly have for them. If you have questions, I just ask during this first couple of questions, I'm going to, I want them to get, get their experiences out to you. And then right after that, if you have uh, questions, just please raise your hand and there'll be a mic floating around the room. 
I think the last uh, panel went a little bit long, and they've asked us to cut ours a little bit short. So, but I want to make sure that each and every one of you have an opportunity to ask the questions that are important to you, because that's the whole reason you came. So, uh, Aaron, I'm going to start with you. So, uh, Linkin Park, I mean, certainly one of the most successful bands that have used uh, social media, I think to date, um, somewhere in the 40-some million Facebook fans that they have. Can you just give us, you know, what have you done as the collective and what have you yourself done to help Linkin Park not only capture such an amazing fan base, but also have you, how have you used social and location and how are you using that today to continue to grow their fan base? Well, we, a big part of it was just starting off and identifying the um, platform to begin with. And when Facebook started to take off, we saw the opportunity to connect directly with fans. And that's kind of the overreaching uh, theory here is how do you get to the consumer? How are they ingesting content? And how uh, can you get rid of the obstacles in between? So Facebook was an opportunity for us to um, get um, communication going directly with their fans. And uh, so we started to test with them and we started to get some data back, understanding that it was a worldwide audience. We started uh, adding exclusive content. We started engaging from other uh, platforms and websites and fan clubs, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and as far as analytics go, they're much better now than they were, but um, this, this moves into where mobile is really, really important is the data is very broad in general. It's, um, you know, we can, we can hone it down to maybe a territory or even a city, but we can't hone it down to the user and we would be able to super serve that fan and Lincoln Park you know definitely would uh, super serve that fan if we knew how to get to them directly so um, that's kind of why I'm very bullish on the uh, social local uh, mixture mobile but you guys have uh, already been using location-based other applications I mean we talk about Facebook and we talk about the Giants but you guys are using, aren't you guys using like mobile roadie? Um? Yeah. So on the, you know, you know, outside the United States, especially, um, most people are consuming the content on their on the, on their mobile devices. So we we do have an app, uh, an official Lincoln Park app that uh, we use to communicate with fans. That's connected to um, the CMS for the rest of their system and and uh, the and offers the ability to deliver uh, fan club goods and and, um, and you know, any sort of uh, direct-to-consumer products that we want. We do get data back from those people. We do understand who those people are, uh, the ability to reap data from uh, mobile is incredible, as you, you know uh, better than anybody, which is who this person is, you know, uh, where they are, what type of phone it is. And there's, there's differences between, you know, their they're uh you know they're they are what they are but you know you can make a you can make a cutout of who uses android versus who uses apple versus what type of model how long they've had it what kind of uh plan they're on um so getting that type of data down to um you know how hard they push the um uh, the 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 uh phone is very important but what we're really trying to do is build real estate in our own distribution system so getting an app of any sort out onto the the mobile devices and and we right now are pretty much just focusing on Android and iOS uh, because Symbian is sort of kind of not relevant any it's it's relevant in the world but development wise it's not moving forward 
Um, so that's what we're trying to do. So to have a presence on those phones, uh, you know, it allows us to go directly to the consumer. Yep. So just to kind of back up a little bit, um, and I should have prefaced this in the beginning is, do we all have an understanding of what we're talking about when we say location and social? So first of all, I, I think maybe a lot of you think when they think location, maybe you think of just checking in, right? As the act of checking in, the only thing that we have in location. And, and that's just certainly not the case. I mean, that's what we maybe we know of in the technology industry or we read about. But what Aaron's talking about and, and through his experiences is all this data that's out there about what these users are doing, things that they're sharing across not just Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram, but across the entire social graph on, and what he pointed out on a very global level that you can have a much better understanding of what your fans are doing, where they are and, what, and who they're talking to, who those influencers are. And so it goes way beyond anything to do with just checking in. It's actually looking at this entire social graph and this experience and trying to make it, collecting this data so you can make it better for the end user, which is the two end users here, the, the fans and the bands. So uh, over to you, uh, uh, Ryan. So something really cool that Ryan uh, just did over in the last, uh, I think it's the last week, I think it was just last week, you guys, um, with Jason Mraz, you did this contest on Instagram and like in the first day, you guys got like 5,000 people already with photos, including celebrities like uh, uh, Selena Gomez and Randy Jackson and, and posting photos back. So just take us through how, um, you know, not only that through that one experience, but how you guys are using uh, social and, and location-based content. And we can talk about how Instagram is, is location-based, but share with everybody that. Yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, at Bill Silver Inter Entertainment, we manage Jason Mraz along with Christina Perry and a few others. And Jason's an artist who, from the beginning, has been very personal when it comes to using social networks. Uh, I mean, he has a Facebook base of over 10 million, a Twitter base of nearly 3 million, and a massive Instagram following. And for Jason, he specifically is the one using all of that social media. We'll post every now and then to Facebook. We actually monitor Facebook far more closely and, and curate that, whereas Twitter and Instagram are 100% Jason. We actually don't even touch it. And for the Instagram campaign we did, uh, we partnered with a company called Canvas Pop. And just so on record, this was actually Atlantic Records' idea, so I, w I don't want to steal all the credit. There's actually a major label who's out there being uh, very strategic and um, doing a really great job so so big shout out to atlantic records the concept was jason dropped a new single january 2nd called i won't give up within the first four days it had 2.5 million views on youtube on this simple lyric video we created shot directly to number one on itunes and had no radio support no marketing support was primarily all social so we put a campaign called together, I Won't Give Up on Instagram, and encouraged fans to take photos, and hashtag, I Won't Give Up. And you know, basically, it was a message that I feel represents how not only we in the US feel, how we feel outside, you know, throughout the EU, if you see what's going on in the news. Um, it was a social campaign with the true word of being social. And within the first 
day we had 5,000 fans um, submit, and now it's been north of 10,000 in less than a week. And uh, it's going to run on. But the cool part of that is we're going to take those Instagram photos, which now are high def, and we're on March 8th, we're going to have an event in New York, uh, basically a gallery opening, where Jason will choose the 25 top photos, and those fans will come in for a really intimate evening, and we're going to blow those up using Canvas Pop, which is a really cool service and you know it's it's going to be a way to bring fans in and and do something that really hasn't necessarily been done before so mashable tech crunch the whole tech community really supported it and uh you know um we're excited about it so so many of you might be asking yourself well what does taking photos and instagram have to do with location services and the entire social graph in general Uh, A product like Instagram and other photo-based services are powerful because those that share usually share publicly. Why? Because they want other people to enjoy the photos that they're sharing. Um, If if not, they would just uh, take it in a 35-millimeter camera and and keep it at home. So, And when they take these photographs, they are geo-encoded. That means they have the information of where the photograph was taken. And so when you post that... It, you can learn about that information. So you can learn if someone is actually at a concert and where that concert was or at an event somewhere and what was going on. It's a way to curate that content, not just based on keywords, but based on location during during an event and something was happening or post-event when people actually post the, the photographs. And I think that's why that something like this is really important because it's a really a new way. And when you're talking about sharing photos, a new way to understand, like we were talking about before this, is like where do the majority of these, now it's upwards of 10,000 plus photos, where are they coming from? What parts of the world? What does that say about his current fan base that it's reaching out to? Are we going to find out that a lot of it's coming from pockets that you know Jason and, and Bill Civil Entertainment didn't even know um, what, where his fan base was actually located or springing up at? And that's what this tells us. It's an early indicator of, of how far his reach is. And so YouTube obviously... Um, you know, it's unprecedented what what they were able to do in such a short amount of time for Jason. But now something like uh, YouTube, rather, doesn't show us exactly where all those people were and where they were viewing from. But Instagram will. So, I think that's why that is like a really important key point to um, that type of technology. All right, I'm not ignoring you, uh, Jason. <laughs> Should have sat on the right side. So anyway, so um, my mistake. So, Jason, um, so we've been talking about location-based technology for a long time, and Jason's been in using it uh, at 11.7 for a while. He did a really cool campaign last year um, with Blondie uh, using uh, location-based technology. But right now, it's uh, what's relevant today is uh, Motley Crue is, is doing, I think, a, it's like three weeks um, uh, engagement in Las Vegas at the Hard Rock, uh, playing at the joint, uh, mostly sold out for those, for those three weeks. But they're using location-based apps um, like CrowdStream and RockBot. Um, but just talk to people about like how are you guys pushing the envelope constantly using location-based and social services to help sell out um, a crowd and help bring everybody to uh, the joint at the Hard Rock Cafe for a band like Motley Crue. Sure. Um, so Motley's in the middle of their their residency right now, uh, and in. Very similar to, to what they were just talking about Instagram, we're using a technology called CrowdStream that allows these fans to take photos and videos and automatically upload them into their social networks, whichever ones they're using. Um, you know, th- this is a, a, a newer technology that was really exciting to me because when I go to shows, everybody's always got their phone out, and I always kind of thought, what are these people doing? with this stuff, they're taking this content. I've never gone to anybody's house and sat down and flipped through 
pictures in their phone to see the show that they went to, but they all take them. So, you know, using CrowdStream, it allows these fans to not only take this content and upload it, but to associate themselves with the artist because it posts on the artist page. So now we're generating content on the artist page, then that's, that's driving new visitors. Uh, and also posting it on their individual networks, which is then driving, uh, you know, attention back to the artist. Uh, we've been doing it for two weeks now. Uh, their viral, Motley's viral reach, which is fairly significant in Facebook, has gone up 104% uh, in the two weeks since the beginning of the residency. And uh, prior to that, they were on tour with Poison, so it's not like they were sitting around not doing anything. You know, obviously there are many other things that we're doing, but I think that it has a, you know, a, a big push. And on top of that, we're also seeing ticket sales happening through the app and through other people downloading the app before they even get there and buying tickets to their shows. Uh, so it's, it's helping the fans engage uh, at the point that they are and then sharing that out to their friends. Uh, what we did with, uh, with Banjo uh, last year with Blondie was awesome. We had uh, Blondie on release day, did a, a Mark Jacobs pop-up store in New York City and did a, had a, a show at the Highline Ballroom. And we were using uh, Banjo to be able to reach out to people uh, within areas that she was, where she was doing a signing and Mark Jacobs was doing all these different things. And we were able to reach out to just people who were publicly you know, checking in at different things and saying, hey, Blondie's here come do this or come find this person and get tickets. And we, uh, I believe when we did it in LA as well, we even, uh, we found someone who'd been a Blondie fan for like 40 years, wasn't even aware that the show was happening, got to go, got tickets and, and, uh, it's crazy. They sent a scrapbook as a thank you. And he'd been keeping that scrapbook for like 30 years. It was a little weird, <laughs> but you know, that level of engagement really was a, an, an important event in that person's life and that was something really special to them that some it's a way that they are now uh, associating a whole different emotion with this artist and that's creating a deeper level of engagement which is obviously powerful for a, a lifelong career and jason if you don't mind me interrupting if, um you know you brought up one huge thing that i think people overlook is sometimes we'll post about a show or we'll post a picture after a show and say oh chicago you are great and you'll see fans saying I didn't even know you were in Chicago, but we posted on Twitter, we posted on Facebook, it's on the artist website, it's, it's everywhere, but they miss that. So it's interesting that you guys had a technology that was you know, letting fans know that on a deeper level, because I feel like that's what's happening. And you'll see Michael Rapino say that 40% of tickets go unsold. That's a lot of inventory. 40% of all tickets in, in our market go unsold. That is something that I think all four of us up here need to figure out a way to solve. Because you know, tickets is the lifeline of our business. Well, I, th I, I can, think that's. I can, I'm sorry. If I just add on the number one reason that people don't go to shows from all of our artists uh, and, and looking at the data says because they didn't know they were in town. Period. So when I was advocating earlier for um, an acceleration to be able to go directly to someone's uh, phone, certainly the ability to transact and buy tickets is 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 great that that's a, that, that was great we're not there yet with with where we're at um but that's great for Motley crew and that uh, was great they were able to solve that but certainly getting the message out there is what all of this is about and what we're ultimately fighting for every day is uh a, you know attention and how do we cut through the clutter so getting the message in front of people is is a big part of what we do yeah, and I, I think that 
you know, one, one way that's really important to do that is to take these fans and make them the ambassadors and make it easy because it's, you know, social, as we all know, has become so passive. You know, nobody wants to go looking for things. And everybody has a Twitter account, and but most of them don't allow everybody's tweets to push to their phone, but you might allow your best friend's tweets to push to your phone. Well, if you like Motley Crue, your best friend probably likes Motley Crue too. And if your best friend is somewhere and posts a picture that actually makes it to your phone, then, then there's an activation that's happening right there. And it, it, it's just about making that interaction as simple and as passive as possible and making, making it able or making people able to do that uh, on an immediate basis. When they're thinking about it, immediately share it. So about uh, six months ago, I launched a company, um, as Jason mentioned, the name of it called Banjo. Um, and what this is doing is we're a technology company that's focused on location, about bringing location into the mainstream of social and connecting the entire social graph through location. And so even though we've only been uh, around about six months now, we're already up to a point where we're processing over a billion updates in real time that everything to do with photos that are being shared, like on Instagram, uh, tweets, tweets or Facebook posts that are being shared at a, at a concert, um, other location-based activity that's check-ins from, like for example, Foursquare. And by doing this in real time, we're now able to send out to the user in a very passive way without you looking for something that tells you when something of importance is near you. And we've started by doing that with, with friend alerts so that even when the friend who's never even heard a banjo before is nearby, like Jason was just telling me the other day, he's at his apartment in New York and he gets a buzz from banjo that says that his friend from LA happens to be in the neighborhood in New York. He calls him up right away and says, are you really here in New York City? I mean, you're right by my apartment. That's what the power of Banjo does. We're monitoring over a billion updates in real time, and all of our users are getting a, this passive notification when something really important to them is happening that they otherwise would have missed out on. And what Aaron said is the reason the majority of these tickets go unsold is because people didn't know they were nearby. And so we started solving this location problem by using people, not knowing when these people are nearby, and now it's transcending into events and artists, etc. And so using our technology, we hope to, to have that uh, power all the apps and other social services in the future so that we can solve some of these greater problems. So anyways, I just wanted to clarify since you, since you brought it up. Um, but Aaron, so you've been using, uh, like we talked about Linkin Park and been Facebook, and I think most of these people have uh, probably been, whether it's been through a fan page they've started or a Twitter account they've started or had a rep start for them. But outside of those, I mean, can you talk to location and how you guys have really started to use that or really understanding location and why that's valuable? Because I think location can be scary for people only from the sense that there's not a lot known about it. Like, how do you get it to work for you? Is it worth investing all this time? Where do you start from? I mean, these are questions that you were constantly asking and answered. And so if you could at least share like how you went through that process and where you're at not just yourself, but with the collective in general is that with using location and social, I, th I think it'd be helpful. Uh, sure. I mean, it's actually not that difficult if you, if you, if you understand that uh, it's a constantly moving process and it's constantly changing. But uh, the essence of it is, as I said, is, um, you know, how to make the message cut through the clutter and be able to get in front of somebody who wants to uh, get information, who wants to get uh, content, who wants to get whatever it may be, messages from their friends, pictures from their their uh, their favorite artists. 
but but the big one is there's there is no linear pattern right now with social. So there's been studies of ROI that you know a, a share or a like is worth two dollars and something cents all the way up to if you're McDonald's a hundred dollars and this and that whatever. But the truth of the matter is you know as all of us up here can s- state at the end of the day we get paid off of the income that comes in from our clients and that's ma- the majority of that comes from live shows and merchandising so we need to geo target hard so if you know we're really really working chicago and find out that the vast majority of traffic is coming from rio de janeiro then we need to kind of sit come back and look at at, at what we're doing and uh and on the converse, if we really do need to take Chicago, we need the ability to uh, to not interrupt people's uh, patterns, but to get the word out to the fans. So the you know that's all about data, and how and and in Facebook, you know, it's all about your edge rank and how you know with the network effect, how long you can stay in your friend's stream. So at that point, you're looking at the type of content that you're delivering, and whether it's a picture or it's it's certainly not words anymore. And uh, and how that you know like it's where Instagram I think did do a great job and Jason you know clearly you know and Ryan did a great job taking advantage of that but I can't go do that again because it's, he just did it <laughs> that's the queasiness of it all so everybody's got to you got to sit down and custom create you know a process for everybody and look at the tools that are available um, there are just more it's more of a philosophical. Um, endeavor and then you have you know the, the one thing I will say is that uh, there are the four companies that I think that do control the future of the music business um, are Amazon Apple Facebook and Google you know they're not the traditional companies and then the ecosystem that's around that that's up for you know that's that's what we need to build off of and you know that's what we have to work with now and then maybe secondarily you'll have your Xbox systems and stuff like that what about you guys? I mean, uh, Jason and Ryan. I mean, Ryan, Bill Silva. You guys manage a, a bunch of venues, right? And so, um, you know, what? Do you, how are you going to use that technology? Not j- beyond just social, beyond Instagram. I mean, what are things that you're thinking about doing, or what are questions that you're asking yourself? Because I think when I talk to, I've talked to several of you in this room uh, before the event today, um, and in talking to many of you in, in just the walks of life. And it's always that question, like Aaron brings up all these great points, and you say, well, I can't do that because you just did this, um, and these are the companies that are controlling the future. But that's, it sounds very daunting, right? It sounds like there's this, you know, like this is like a huge task, and we're all so busy in our lives. Like, where do I start, right? I think that's what everyone's saying in their mind. It's like, well, where do I even look for this? Where do I even start with this? So you've done this process with venues. You've done this process with merchandising for some of your bands. Um, I know another one of your bands that last year you had a great idea that to do when they were announcing their new album and how you're going to use location to do that. But how are you starting? Like, where are you, you getting the, not only just the ideas from, but the how do you even make the connection in the beginning with this technology to even decide whether it's worth your time to pursue this? Well, to me, I mean, it all starts, you know, whether you're managing a venue or managing an artist, it's, it's all about the content. And in our case, the, the content is the music. So no matter... From the management manager side, my artists need to create amazing albums. You know, it's like 
I could create the best digital plan in the world, but if the music isn't any good and it has no stickiness and fans don't want to share it, it doesn't matter. You know, we could we could spend hours upon hours. It's just not going to happen. Um, you know, and then for I think all of us, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make the live show more than just a one night event. How can you get people talking about it three months before when you put that show on sale? And how do you get them excited about it for those three months leading up? And, you know, for at least the last week after so that, you know, they're sharing photos, they're sharing video, they're, you know, posting it and, and you know, just making it more than just that one night at the Hollywood Bowl, that it then becomes that three or four month long campaign for just that one show. And I think that's really what we're trying to focus on. And, you know, companies like yourself and, and a lot that are probably in this room are, are really trying to focus on. And, and those are the, the companies that we want to collaborate with and, and discuss more with because, you know, at the end of the day, it really is about creating the most memorable, memorable event possible. Damien, I'm, I'm just curious, how, and the audience, is it mostly artist-connected um, people or tech company? How many, how many people in this room are uh, tech company-related? So about, And how many are artist-related? So about evenly right. split down the middle. So I just wanted to say that, you know, from an artist standpoint, and, you know, um, it's a really big, di you know, to sit up here and listen to someone talk about Motley Crue or... Jason or Lincoln Park that I don't I, I if I were in the audience I don't know that that would be the you know so helpful for me what I, what I'm I would be concerned with is how to to get it going now and I don't have that that answer it's a very daunt it's a very daunting uh, issue except for what Ryan said it's about the content and if you can create content and and my experience because we do an enormous amount of business on YouTube is that uh, going viral is no is not the end goal. It's consistency. So <clears throat> my video got 15 million views. Well, the next week people will just forget about you. So you know, not being constrained by a record label, not being constrained by maybe a publishing deal or whatever actually can play to your benefit. And you know, if you if you understand the, your audience, if you're publishing on Tuesdays and Thursdays on your YouTube channel, you own that content and it'll work. It's a platform. It's really only been you know, modified for, 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 for use for, you know, a few years, um, you know, you can start to build an audience that way. And, um, that's where I would, uh, that's where I would start. And then at that point you need to find out where are these people coming from? And that's where a solution like Banjo can come into play. Um, but you need to build, you know, you need to, you need to build fans first. And that's what, um, I would say, you know, if I were in your, in your shoes, you know, how do I do that? So my, you know, we're betting that in, you know, two years that, you know, everything's going to happen on the mobile phone, period. You know, uh, accessing the social networks, accessing transactions, you know, maybe not full advertising and stuff like that, but certainly if you're looking at a worldwide demo. So getting, you know, YouTube is on every single phone, you know, basically. If you can find a way to find, get in when devices are, or platforms are launching, you can ride along with the growth. Facebook's basically a mature platform, and so is Twitter. You know, you're not going to get a ton of growth there. Um, so, you know, you know, I'm I'm projecting, but that's one thing. And then the second thing I would say is what people are doing with electronic dance music, and as you know, has been stated you know, with 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 the residency with Motley Crue or with uh, what Ryan said about the venues. You're creating an experience 
and um, that's very profitable. You're seeing the rise of festivals in this country, and um, and so being involved and in, and in, in merging your your talents and your uh, communities with other like-minded people is very very important too. And that's you know that's kind of where I would start. And I'd also but, say to extend upon that, uh, sorry for cutting you off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a lot of our artists, we try to embrace them as a brand. And for Jason, for example, he's an avocado farmer. You know, he was named number one farmer under 30 like it was crazy and uh he's an avid surfer we embrace you know his charity work he if he didn't have a business manager he'd probably give all his money away to everybody that comes up to him with some new cause you know it's embracing that so that it's just not about the music because there is so much clutter out there as you know aaron said and jason said and you know it's it's really about how do you make it so that your fans want to come back to your mobile app, to your website, to your Twitter feed, to your Facebook news wall. How do you get them to want to come back every day? Because they're always distracted. There's always different ads. There's always things pulling them in the next direction. How do you keep it so that there's that continuity and consistency that because you had that 15 million view video that went out last week, that you're not completely forgotten and irrelevant? You know, that's where it comes down to the content and being more than just a one-hit wonder or more than just maybe even an artist, um, you know? And th- that's the trouble that I think all four of us face every single day and, and every single one of you probably struggle with. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, at, at our the company that I'm at, you know, we have big artists like Blonde and Motley Crue, but we also have tiny artists like Cavo and a brand new band called Ono Fiasco. And I spent several years at Epic Records where I worked with a band called The Script, I'm, I'm sure that some of you know who they are now, but in 2007, nobody on this side of the Atlantic Ocean knew who they were. And, uh, and, and the big thing that I always like to focus on when you're starting off with a band is focusing on what the crowd is and who the people are that you have. Even if you only have five, figure out what they like and what, it, what moves them. That's the great thing about analytics on the internet. You know, there, there's analytics on YouTube, there's analytics on Facebook, there's analytics everywhere, and you can see what you're doing that makes a difference, and you can focus on those things. With the script, we uh, we started realizing that video content was something that their fans were really responding to. So we worked with a technology that's now defunct, but it was called Kite, that allowed people to upload video directly from their phones, and we gave the band a phone that did this, and they did video blogs on a regular basis, and we built a significant following around the fact that they knew they could tune in and see behind-the-scenes video at all times with this band. Uh, and, and so I think it's really about finding what, if you're an artist, what your fans are and what they respond to and figuring out how to super serve that and build a story there. And once you've got that story, then you have something that you can grow on. So uh, when I started this panel, we, we wanted to, like I said, it was all about the questions you have, and I'm hoping that you have several of them. So we have about 15 to 20 minutes left, so I want to make sure that we have a chance to talk to everybody that has a question. Um, like I said, it was a great question by Aaron, and this uh, this audience was split. About half are in tech and, and half are in the uh, industry or half are artists. Um, so your questions may be very different, but nonetheless, we want to get to them. So we'll just start off by now. I think there's a microphone that will float around the room. I've already seen uh, someone in the back um, there who wanted to ask a question earlier. Um, just go right ahead. There's a, uh, there's a lady with a hat on back there. Jason, I can't believe you name drop Kite. Sorry, I can't dude. believe you called me a lady. 
Thank you for taking the heat off me. You're welcome. You're (laughs) welcome. Um, Okay, so my biggest question is, with artists, I've found that I've used CrowdStreaming and I've used other apps, and I've found that some fans really like to have a branded app, like you have with Linkin Park, and some fans will get involved with technology. But some fans don't like to, so how do you reconcile that? Or do you have any advice on that? I always look at what's working. And, and, and if it is an even 50-50 split, why can't you do both? I mean, in my opinion, you know, it, it only takes a couple of minutes to sign up for a new technology. So, you know, it, in my department, I always make sure that if something new comes out, if I read about something new on TechCrunch, I mean, that's how I found these guys. They had a story on TechCrunch, and I just looked them up and was like, who are you? Let me sign up all my artists, and let's have a conversation. So, you know, it only takes a couple of minutes, and then if it's working, then you can run with it. Because you'll never know initially what's going to work or not. But what I, I would say, um, you know, from learning this lesson the hard way, is that uh, the reason why Zynga has Farmville and it's everything so generic, it's an inch deep and a mile wide strategy, compared to John Deere and, and Quaker Oats and all of this sort of stuff, is, is that the, the more branded you become, the less and less... Um, you are to to convert new fans. So if if Lincoln Park comes out with the best racing game ever and you love hip hop, ain't gonna happen. So if we want to grow into a platform and we think this is the best racing game ever, then we have to figure out how to to fit into that and earn those fans. Uh, At some points, sure, then we will take the branded opportunity and that's a that's a inch wide mile deep strategy and that's usually when we try to convert into uh, super fans or into uh, into transactions so early on I would say the branding can really really hurt you if you're looking to uh, if, if you're looking to grow Thanks. and I say that through experience <laughs> Adam from Insightful um, just uh, going back to I think uh, stat you threw out there about forty percent of tickets going so it's pretty crazy stat. Yeah. No. What What do you think about bands getting on the road and as they go out to each stop along the tour, accessing the influencers um, in each of those towns? Um, I'm all for it. I mean, it depends on you know what type of artist it is and and what can do. You know, for some of my my younger bands, like we'll do any and everything that seems reasonable, you know, to, to grow that base and get the word out about the fans. Um, do you want to elaborate a little bit further? I mean, I, I just think personally, I mean, there, there's a reason I'm asking the question. I mean, we're kind of building a business along these lines, um, but tapping into the people that are receptive to this type of music and then specifically the the people that you know carry the most clout, let's yeah. say, within those areas, they're the ones that you know have the greatest ability to spread it. So we would turn them into your dig- digital street it. team, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would be all for that. I mean, we're always building our own street teams, and you know, building you know via Twitter or whatnot, and, and talking to people to see who want to help, and you know, we'll set them up with free merch and hang with the band and, and those types of things. But if there's a platform that's going to help us um, do that easier, then we'd be all for it. Cool. Yeah, I agree. That's definitely something we do too. I mean, even within our mailing list. You know, we, we use Reverb Nation and we're able to, to dive down and kind of see, you know, who's the has the most influence in their area and we can see who's got the highest open rates and things like that. And, and we'll target those people and say, hey, you know, if we're having trouble in a market, reach out to them and offer them something if our, our fan club doesn't doesn't have what we need. But absolutely. Directly behind you. Hi, thanks for coming. Um, Ben Rapley from Live Nation, and I have a two-part question related. Um, 
One is, do you see, you know, all of you have a firm foothold in live entertainment sort of offline, and that's where a lot of the revenue comes from still. Do you see digital or online as being a standalone um, either revenue stream or sort of entity, or is it just a, a means of advertising or fueling the, the offline, the concert or the album sale or whatever it may be? And two, do you ever worry about overexposing or kind of breaking down the mystery of a band that, that such, can be such a big driver of their, of their popularity? It's two very good questions. Very, I mean, very, very, very uh, hard, hard questions. Right at the right yeah. at the heart of the matter. Screw us all. <laughs> I mean, I, I would I would say that uh, that I view digital as something that is complementary to almost every other uh, aspect of the music industry. Uh, I, I don't view it as standalone at all. In fact, whenever possible, I mean, maybe just because I'm in digital, but you know, I may be biased a little bit. But you know, I always try and integrate some type of digital. Uh, interaction into it, if for no other reason than just simply to get those people that are, you know, in the case of a live show, someone who would be like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to go see this one this time, and maybe then, you know, whatever we do incentivizes them to do it next time. Um, as far as, you know, there's a lot of white noise out there, and there's absolutely, I, I don't know many bands with the exception of, you know, maybe Tool, uh, there's, there's very few bands that have uh, a mystique about them still, uh, and and I think there's very few bands that can do that anymore. Unless you know, I, I think obviously the music is the most important thing. And if someone comes along with music that moves everybody, then then I think you know you could have the potential to do something like that. Um, and it's something I, I'm concerned about a lot. You know, what's overexposure, what's underexposure. Uh, but I don't know. The the faster your wall moves, and the faster your homepage of Twitter moves, the uh, the, the less relevant that becomes because it's, uh, it's hard to overexpose when nobody's seeing it anyway. And it, I heard the question in the first part. Definitely the second part I, I, I agree with, you know, and dealing with legacy artists that grew up in the era of making millions and millions of dollars off of the old system. I, I, I'll speak on behalf of Slash, but I assume Motley Crue would fit into that same category. That, that was a very, very difficult conversation to have uh, with somebody who now has millions of followers on Twitter and, and seven or eight million Facebook fans, etc., um, and um, you know that was the first thing. What about the mystique? What you know? What about giving it away? But you know, you're looking at the generation that is growing up, and if you if you're not there, if you're not doing it, then you just don't exist. Yeah. And so I agree with with that part. I don't. You know, I I, I think you just have to use your gut to determine what's overexposure if, if you know if, definitely email spamming and whatever that's not cool cutting in on someone's especially texting them i find to be really mm -hmm. invasive, yeah, invasive. And, yeah. And, yeah i totally agree but uh back to the first question which i thought i heard was whether you know, w w was digital a separate um component i definitely agree that digital basically is everything in the music business now um, there, there's no more marketing department. There's, you know, how you know, it, people consume it online. They, they make it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But as far as a separate P and L, it is very, very, very circuitous. And right now, the idea is to, you know, possibly sell whatever. But if you look over at Asia and you look at, it, you know, at, at some of the more advanced um, technological companies, e-commerce is a big, big, big business, and virtual goods 
is a big business. So whether um, someone, you know, it's, and I'm not talking about, you know, Guitar Hero, I'm talking about, you know, social games and, and people that are playing Call of Duty that want a uh, Linkin Park power-up pack and we get 50 cents. Someone who wants to buy an avatar for their system who still uses Friendster in the Philippines that will pay 15 cents and we give them a free song or something to that effect. That's definitely a business. When you take companies like Tencent, uh, a Chinese company that is, you know, they're doing basically that, them and a couple other, are doing $8 billion in just virtual goods. That fits into the merch category, I would say, of digital goods. But right now, that the payment systems aren't there. A 16-year-old can't pay for that. So people complain about piracy and whatever, and I don't want to digress, but how do they pay for this? So we have to wait, and that's where an impulse buy with a mobile device would be invaluable to the music business. But remember, the music labels usually, or at least certainly with a lot of our artists, only can, are involved in the recorded music. So there's a little friction uh, in regards to, to who's pushing for what agenda. I hope that answers the question a bit. So we've got a couple more minutes left. Any more questions out there? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. You put a lot of stock in the um, analytics and the metadata. What's the, uh, what's the best mobile analytics uh, solution you're using, the most insightful? That's, that's tough to say. I mean, I, the, the, the one problem that I would say with analytics right now is the fact that it is there's not many things that are focusing analytics, even in the online space. Um, you know, players like Next Big Sound are making it much easier, but it still is a whole lot of everybody's got their own thing. So, uh, so it, it really depends on who's powering your app or then, you know, which carrier you're talking about if you're getting analytics from your carriers. Uh, it's, it's still very scattered. There's not really too many people that are saying, you know, unless I'm missing somebody. But it also depends on what kind of analytics you're talking about as well. So if you're a, a tech company, which half this uh, room raised their hand and said they were a tech company, and if you have a mobile app yourself, so getting mobile analytics and learning about what your users are doing um, is not that difficult. I mean, you have Flurry, you have Localytics, you have some really good um, analytics companies that you can just plug in with, a, with an SDK on your phone, and it's fairly simple. But when you're talking about uh, deeper analytics, uh, what Aaron spoke about in the very beginning, which is knowing what type of phone that the, this person's at and where they're at, and if they're in the influencer, this is kind of a, a meta-analytics that doesn't uh, take place right now in, in one area. Like, you can't go to one solution and it's there. It's by gathering analytics across the social spectrum, across the mobile spectrum, and putting them together and finding out what's valuable. Um, there is not a magic bullet yet. I mean, Aaron, you talk about analytics all the time, and, and we've had some really uh, deep conversations about it, but um, there is no silver bullet. Uh, you, you have to do your homework and have to decide what kind, of, what kind of answers are you looking for. Always ask the question why, and then when you get that answered, ask why again. You know, Keep asking why, and, and as you dig deeper, you will find the analytics um, through several different tools. But... Uh, you know, do you want to shed any more light on things that uh, you're doing I'll, with I'll analytics? Just, I would just say uh, absolutely positively, but I will also say that what is a concern of mine is this: uh, everyone racing to be the metric. Like I got someone that called me from a major advertising agency at, and asked me what a client of mine's clout score was, and I was like, <laughs> uh, it, you know, first of all, I don't let, I don't let them use Twitter because it, you know for a very specific reason and. 
and you take you know uh, you know other companies and there's a reason why i don't have last fm churned on for somebody and there's a reason why i have my space for someone else and this and that whatever so that it, it, there is, there is no magic bullet for an outsider and that is definitely a solution that that's a problem that needs to be solved mm -hmm. no doubt and uh that's that that that's what i would punctuate and i'll say and i was telling jason right before this panel is you know i've been traveling a lot over the past six months with a lot of my artists and i don't necessarily have you know a few hours to break into google analytics and to break into next big sound and to like sit there and really analyze it because it's great to capture all this data if you're actually reading it and doing something about it and you know, <clears throat> I think Jason does a really good job with it, and Aaron probably does as well. But, you know, I guess I need to focus my team for when I'm traveling to really pay attention and make decisions based on what's happening. So. But it would be big for you in analytics <clears throat> would be example. You just did this Instagram thing, and we just talked about there's 10,000 people that have taken the time to submit a photograph. How did they find out about it? When they found out about oh. it, where were they? Who are they? Are they, mm -hmm. are they the influencer of the group? Like, that's important for you to know right on the spot so that you guys can focus on where you're going to put your attention to, right? So like if you found out that 3,000 of those 10,000 people are in Rio, you might be thinking about going to Carnival. Yeah. For other reasons other than Jason yeah. Mraz, but <laughs> any, uh, any other questions? All right. Thanks to everybody on the panel for being here. Thanks for you and the audience for being here. Appreciate it.